Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and you're listening to my Writing Table Podcast. Today's guest is Julie Cantrell. Julie Cantrell is an award-winning New York Times and USA Today best-selling novelist whose work focuses on relationships, resilience, and faith. As a writer, speaker, and teacher, she aims to build empathy and connection while inspiring others to live their best life. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thank you so much, Chris. This is going to be fun. And you have done lots of different things. (laughs) So what first drew you to become a writer? Uh, I think you're right. I've worn a lot of hats in life. I feel like I've lived a lot of my lives, but I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always been an avid reader, and I grew up with a mom who taught elementary school and brought us to the library all the time and encouraged us to read and write and journal. And so I think I always turned to my journal as my way of processing life, and it just kind of evolved into this years later, unexpectedly, into becoming a full-time writer. Your book, Perennials, was about complicated family relationships and parents with strong Christian beliefs. Is this familiar territory? (laughs) Yeah, I I would say that. Yeah. I think all families are complicated for sure. I don't think there's any family without any kind of complication. But um, yeah, I grew up very embedded in the Southern Baptist Church in Louisiana and um, definitely grew up with a deep faith, which has served me well. I'm Methodist now, but um, definitely rely on my faith a lot. And I'm glad that I grew up with that kind of anchor in my life for sure. One of your hats was as a speech-language pathologist. Um, Did you integrate reading into helping your clients and patients? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I have always... So I spent many, many years... I I worked in different settings as a speech-language pathologist. So I did some medical settings, hospital, private practice, had, you know, lots of things. But most of the time, I worked in the public schools in Mississippi when my children were younger, uh, at school when they were of school age. So I served in the role as speech language pathologist, but also reading interventionist and an ELL teacher. Mm-hmm. And being also on the board of my um, literacy council there in Oxford, Mississippi, I helped start an after-school literacy program. I've always been very passionate about the power of learning how to read. Literacy is the key to everything now so more than ever. And every day I walk around and I look at everybody, how do you move through this world without being able to read right now? I don't know. Everything is online and digital and signs and it's a struggle for people who can't read. And I'm very passionate about us using our resources to help people overcome reading disabilities and reading disorders and delays. Um, There's so many statistics that show children who have trouble reading, you know, by the second grade, we'll end up having lots of different struggles and issues throughout school and beyond. And so I believe wholeheartedly in the importance of of teaching reading and writing to, to children and as a life skill, you know, that will help them survive in many, many ways, writing too. You bring that up about, you know, the statistic about second grade and you think about the kids over this last year that are learning to read from home. I feel a lot of concern and worry and sadness for the students and the teachers and the families involved in the last year and a half with all the online teaching. But, you know, a lot of people think early school years is just for fun and play. It's so fundamental that that foundation is so key for building all of the other knowledge levels that we need to acquire in life. And so missing out on some of those fundamentals is 
a worrisome thing for sure. And I think it's been particularly challenging for elementary teachers uh, trying to teach online and keep the attention and the focus of those young children who already struggle to pay attention and focus throughout a long day. But with the screens, it's just, it's proving difficult for sure. But I am also always impressed by how resilient and adaptive good teachers are and how resilient and adaptive children are. they find ways to teach across every boundary and barrier. And I'm impressed by that for well, sure. Well, they've had plenty of boundaries and barriers the last year and a half. So they really have. And I think teachers are so un- underappreciated and uh, underrecognized for the hard work that they do and the important work they do. So shout out to all the teachers out there. <laughs> Amen. You also work as an editor and a book coach. too. Yeah. So in the last few years, particularly, I've kind of shifted more to working on other people's works than my own. I think it's, again, the teacher in me. I love teaching. I love counseling. It's all these different hats that I love to wear. Um, My least favorite part of the writing job, to be honest with you, was marketing my work. I'm happy to promote and market other people's work, but it always felt icky to me to have to worry about sales and marketing of my own material. I love writing. I love sharing stories with people, but I have found that I'm very, very happy and content helping other people bring their stories to shelves. So I work as a ghostwriter now. I have ghost written many books now that nobody will ever know that I wrote. I'll never have to be the public face on that or worry about marketing and promoting it. I'm still getting to write and I'm helping other people share the stories that are so powerful and need to be shared. So a lot of people's memoirs and biographies have been coming through me lately and I'm loving that. And then I'm also editing um, not only nonfiction and memoir and creative nonfiction, but also still novels and doing a lot of book coaching for novels as well. So a little bit of everything. And I'm loving that mix and the different challenge that it brings each day and getting to work with all those different wonderful people. That's been a lot of fun. for me. I'm still writing my own stuff, too, in the background, but this has taken over the, the majority of my day each, each week. When you're working with someone and they're asking you to go strike, what is that process like? Yeah, you know, it's been different with every project, which I really like. I like that challenge. Um, Some people have a very compelling story and they have the ability to write it. They just don't have the time or the desire. And so sometimes they just want to, you know, sit on a phone call with me or sit with me and let me just record and take notes and bring the story together for them and write it for them. Other people do some of the writing or they've written what they can, but they don't quite know how to shape it together in a really tight structure or uh, really turn it into a viable book, a manuscript, whether it's, you know, 200,000 words too long, or it doesn't have a real arc to it, or it's, there's not a structured sequence, you know, that makes any rational sense to the reader. So sometimes I'm just helping them kind of thread together all the random pieces that they've jotted down, almost like their journals or their diaries, you know. Um, Sometimes it's real research intensive. And I research a lot of, interview a lot of people involved in the story throughout their lives. It really just depends on the project. Sometimes it's a legacy project. People just, they have no desire to publish the book. They just want to tell their life story for their family. And that's the only people who will ever see it. But it's important to them at this stage in their life to get their story down so that it won't be lost. They have something important to say that's driving them to do this. Other ones are, you know, I've done a lot for celebrities um, that have just compelling stories and people are interested in that, um, but they don't have the time or, or skills sometimes to do that. And then sometimes there might be like, professional business executives that are invited often 
for like um, keynote speeches and stuff like that pre-pandemic and they will again. And so they had some time during COVID to kind of put their their speeches and their key takeaways together. And they wanted a book like that to sell and deliver at their events, but they don't know how to do that. They know what they want to say. They have the content. So I've kind of pulled those things together for some executives. So it's really different in every single case. And it's been a lot of fun. My favorite part of writing is meeting the people, doing the research and learning new things. And that fills all those buckets for me. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I can see because you'd get into buckets that you'd never been in before. I've definitely learned to write a lot and written about things I never thought I would write about. So that's been fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, tell us about the book coaching. How does that work? So story coaching, again, is a lot like counseling. The writing journey is kind of a soul journey, to be honest. If there's any piece of your soul in that book, it's going to be a soul journey. You're working through questions you have with the universe, and you're kind of writing your way through to the answers. And so sometimes people need a little support emotionally or motivation. You know, it's a lot like me trying to exercise every day. I need somebody to, you know, light a fire under me and make me do it. (laughs) And uh, some people need that fire under them to write every day. They just, some people just want an accountability coach. They just want me checking in and saying, what's your word count today? Some people really want handholding and want um, to discuss chapter by chapter and have me line edit chapter by chapter. Some people just want me to read Uh, each scene that they write and give them verbal feedback and thoughts like, okay, this is good, but you're still doing a lot more telling than showing here. Or we need a little bit more emotional depth from this character here. You know, just again, it varies per client. And I kind of try to just get a feel for that working relationship and adapt to what each person needs. And now I'm starting to see my clients' books hit shelves and it's just been a lot of fun and very rewarding to see their dreams come true like that. What is your biggest challenge when you're working with a new client? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I I really, I like, I mean, any challenge that they bring, I haven't ever met a challenge that we couldn't solve, you know, or we couldn't deal with at all. Um, not at all. I, I guess I would say some people underestimate the amount of time and expense that might be involved, especially in ghostwriting. You know, some of these projects can take me a year or two to complete. And if they want me on retainer for full-time work, you know, they need, they have to pay my salary for a year or two years. And that's not a minimum. That's not a low amount. Right. So um, I think sometimes people assume it's a very inexpensive thing to hire somebody to do, but it's actually, depending on the level of experience and things like that, it can be quite costly for people to hire ghostwriters. How do you balance all that you're doing from writing to coaching to ghostwriting? Well, you know, it's so much easier for me now. My kids are both grown and flown. It breaks my heart, but I'm at a different phase of life now. I used to be trying to write in the wee hours of the morning, between three and five in the morning, because then the family would get going. We were running a farm. I was working in the schools. I was volunteering for the Lit Council. My kids were very active in tons of activities. We just had incredibly busy lives. So squeezing writing in at that time was a real challenge now my kids are gone. I'm living in the city. I only have a dog and a cat. <laughs> you know, I am planning a wedding and you know, all of that's going on in the background. But uh, the fact that work is kind of consuming is okay with me right now at this stage in my life because it's easy to balance that with a very active, fun uh, life. But this stage of my life, I, I don't have a problem balancing any of it. It's very easy to do. I'm not going to ask you what you're writing now because you said some of them 
are ghost writing, so you can't tell us about that. But well, I am writing something you, on my own right now. Oh actually. yeah, tell yeah. us then. Um, it's a. I'm working on a couple of things, but the one that's coming out in the fall is a, a story yeah. collection for the holidays with six authors total. So five author friends and I have joined me uh, to create these uplifting fun holiday stories to just bring some joy back to Christmas after we went through such a such a low Christmas last year with the pandemic and everybody was kind of in a hump and we just thought we want to write something happy and fun for the holidays to celebrate the joy and the spirit of the holidays so we've just come together we've each written um almost full novels they're they're like novellas and we're going to all be together in uh, an ebook that'll release in the fall i think we're going to set it out there in october so watch for that you can sign up on goodreads and bookbub to kind of follow along make sure you get updates what are you reading right now (laughs) well that's the other weird thing about what i'm doing with so many hats right now i read and write all day long every day that's that's my job and so do i read as much for fun no you know by the time i get off the computer in the evening and do all my reading of news, you know, updates for the day and that kind of stuff. I'm pretty much, you know, my eyes are tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I try to spend the rest of the time outdoors in the garden or taking walks or bike rides or playing with the pets or cooking or things, other things I like to do. Uh, but I do still read as much as I can for fun. And I have learned to listen to audiobooks and podcasts more because that gives my eyes a break, but I'm still getting my fix for story. Mm-hmm. And so I've turned to that a lot more. And I really haven't learned to enjoy audiobooks. I just finished listening to Memorial Drive by Natasha Trathaway, who was our um, National Poet Laureate. She's won a Pulitzer. She's a brilliant, brilliant writer. And her memoir is incredibly powerful about um, her mother being murdered by her former stepfather in a case of domestic violence, uh, which is a topic very near and dear to my heart and something I advocate for. So brilliant memoir, uh, very poetically written. She is a poet and I loved it. In your view, what is good writing? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Something that makes me feel something. To me, it's about emotion. I want a story to take me on an emotional journey. And I want to come out the other side having learned something and grown in some way. And I don't mean necessarily, it's fun to learn facts and new things about history or new things about other parts of the world or different, whatever, all that's fun. But I mean, I want to learn something more about myself by the end of a book. I want to feel like I've grown spiritually, um, emotionally, I want to feel more empathy toward groups of people or, or a person's story that I haven't lived that walk. Um, I want to understand people better. That, that's what I want. for. That's what I believe the power of story really is, helping us open our hearts more toward one another and remove all the barriers of judgment and criticisms and shame and blame and all that stuff that divide us, turn us against each other. Mm. Story unites. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your publishing journey? Uh, sure. I did not study writing. I never took a writing class. But as I said, I always turn to writing and reading as a big important part of my life. Story has always been an important part of my life in every aspect of my life. Even, even as a speech language pathologist, you know, it's all about communication, ways to communicate with one another and connect with one another and alternative ways to do that in many cases for people who have struggles. So that's my life's work, uh, finding ways to bridge those gaps between human beings and, and unite us, as I said a minute ago. Um, publishing kind of came on a whim, actually on a dare. I had just had my second 
baby. I have two children, a son and a daughter. So I had just given birth to my son and I, we had just moved to Peoria, Illinois and I had joined a MOPS group. I don't know if they still have those. I think they do. Mothers of Preschoolers. It's a non-denominational Christian group. I mean, yeah, Christian group um, for mothers of preschoolers. And on a dare, one of the moms dared me to enter their contest because they were trying to get everybody to enter the writing contest because the chapter with the most entries would win some kind of thing. And I don't remember what the prize was. So I entered a poem that I had written on that dare and I won. And Mops called me and paid me $50 and sent me a check that said Julie Cantrell Writer and published the poem in a book. But they also hired me to be a contributing writer for Mom Sense magazine and ended up giving me lots and lots of work through the Mops channels. I ended up writing all the mothering, all the parenting preschool content for public grocery stores across the country and lots to copy for Mops and working for their magazine for years. And so that kind of gave me the ability to stay home with my children and write from home and feed all of the, the creative drive that I had while also just writing about everything I was living on a daily basis, parenting, child development, uh, child safety, cooking for children, you know, all the things that we as young mothers were living and doing. That's how it all started. Years later, I published my first books, which were two children's books, uh, after we moved to Mississippi, and my daughter was having trouble adjusting, and I just wrote them with her in my lap to help her sleep through the night and feel safe sleeping through the night. So those were published also on a whim uh, after they helped her to try to help other kids. Never imagined I'd one day be a full-time you know, novelist and, and other genres now, too. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a long, fun journey, for sure. <laughs> you have a connection with these other published writers and and people that aren't published that are still, you know, on that journey. Tell me how your relationships with those other writers affects your career and how it has helped your career. You know, before I became a published author, you have these kind of old (laughs) burned out stereotypes of writers, you know, down in their basement, drinking whiskey all day and, you know, antisocial kind of people who are fumbling their way through the page That is so not true. I mean, every author I know, I have not found one exception, is a really lovely person who loves people, loves life, loves stories. They're so smart. They're so fun to know. And the women writers and the men, uh, but are so, in general, so supportive of one another, not competitive against each other. We all realize there's never enough stories out there to feed the the appetite of the readers. We always need more content. So we're not here to, to compete. We're here to elevate one another and support one another. And I have found such great friendships with other writers, even though I work alone at home, I feel very connected to a tribe of other writers. And I love that kind of camaraderie and friendship and support. One group that I'm part of, you mentioned, is the Tall Poppy Writers. And we have, uh, it fluctuates the number of us. I think right now there's about 35 female writers in there who just have joined forces to help one another. And each of us come from different backgrounds, different places, different experiences. And we share that knowledge and expertise and help promote each other's books and just support one another in this publishing journey. And then there's another smaller group I'm part of called Her Novel Collective, with it, which is an equally wonderful, delightful group of women writers who do the same thing. And the Her Novel Collective uh, group has stemmed from writers who have come through the Christian channels of publishing, whereas the tall poppy writers come from all different areas, but they're both wonderful, wonderful groups. And I can't imagine doing all this solo. (laughs) 
I can't. I can't imagine doing life without friends. What was the best writing advice you received? Oh, uh, write. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep writing. I think the biggest challenge for every writer is finding time to write, making time to write, because we all have a million other priorities in the day that that are bigger fires to put out. You know what I mean? Either a job that's going to pay more right there on the table or a child that needs something or another uh, appointment we have to make or something fun. There are a million other directions we can go with our time. So preserving that time each day to sit down and give yourself that, that writing space, even if it's just 15, 20 minutes a day, you'd be surprised how many words you can get on the page in that little chunk of time. And when you get in that daily practice, You slowly build piece by piece by piece until you have a story. It won't take as long as you think. But yeah, the key is write. You can't write unless you write. (laughs) Thinking about it, talking about it, none of that is writing. So write it, write the story. When you finish a new manuscript and you type the end, how do you celebrate? You know, that is a great question. And I have never celebrated in the past. I have, as again, I've always been the kind of person who just didn't do anything for myself. You know, I didn't, um, I'm going to change that. Good. Good. <laughs> I'm changing a lot of things about that. I'm launching, you know, life 2.0, as I said, and I've changed a lot of things about putting myself on the list and celebrating not just everybody else's lovely glories and successes and great things, but giving myself some celebration too. You know what I mean? So yeah. I love that question. I think I'll have to come back and answer that after my next, the end. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. And if they want more, I do free tips every Thursday on my Instagram feed. So Thursday tips to help people write, edit, and publish their book. So it's just short little video snippets and they can follow along there and and just keep stay with us and start that conversation. Ask any questions they want answered, anything like that. It's all there in my Instagram feed at Julie Cantrell. Go to my website at juliecantrell.com. Okay. Awesome. Writer's Table Podcast Music by Pavel Uden and Photography by Casey Meineke. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review. 